I'm David Catneys. This is Too Close to Call. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to October. I removed a woman from her scooter last night. Scooters have gotten out of hand in D.C., and we have to start taking a stand as pedestrians. I was walking back from Art All Night, this project where they have art in neighborhoods, art installations. You know, it's like a festival, a market. It wasn't that great. I was in Shaw, my old hood. And I was walking back on Florida Avenue at a late hour, and this woman comes zipping by on a scooter, which is fairly common now in Washington, and she's coming right for me and, and the, the guy I was with directly towards me. And I'm not, I'm not moving. That's like the other thing. They expect you to move. And she says, so she comes right for me, and I put my arms out and remove her from her scooter. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And she stops. And she's like, I'm so sorry, but you saw me coming right towards you. And I said, yeah, you don't drive right towards people in a fucking scooter on the sidewalk. And most people would have moved out of the way. That's where I am stubborn. I'm like, I will be hit. I'm going to take this hit to make a point. Now, luckily, she wasn't going that fast. I was able to remove her. But if you're, cu- if you're driving right at me and expect me to move, I'm not going to move. Most people will move. Most men would be gentlemen to move. I'm not going to move. You can't cower to these scooter terrorists. Like, there's no regulation. You can't have a bike on a sidewalk as a law. Why are they allowed to zip on a motorized vehicle? <laughs> I had to get that off my chest. Take a stand against the scooters, guys. It's gotten just out of, out of hand, out of control. Like, what would she say? What is she telling her friends this morning? Is she saying, I ran towards this guy and he wouldn't get out of the way. I was just driving as fast as I could and I just expected him to move. What? You, you should go around me. You go around the pedestrians. You don't come right at them. It's cra- that it almost happened again a few blocks later. I think this guy with me was going to be like, all right, are you crazy? Anyway, a little culture uh, of Washington, D.C. For you folks that don't live here, that's, that's the culture that you deal with here. Jessica Sidman is the guest on the podcast today. She is the food editor for Washingtonian Magazine, who I do some work with. And I just wanted to have a fun podcast and talk about restaurants. Anybody who knows me knows I'm not a foodie per se. I like a bolognese. I like my chicken wings. I like a cacciapore and compass rose. I like a great Caesar salad. I'm not my, I have simple tastes. I don't, it doesn't need to be omakase every time I go out to eat. But I go out to eat a lot because I don't cook. And I'm, and I'm obsessed with service and obsessed with what works in the restaurant industry and what doesn't. I'm fascinated by the whole process of restaurant touring. And... Jessica Sidman actually wrote a recent piece for the Washingtonian about the battle between diners and customers, or sorry, diners and restaurants over tipping, over service, over quality of food, post-COVID, you know, tipping has gotten insane, it's, you know, there's all these service charges, you know, you don't know what to calculate, sometimes 20% is automatically included, sometimes it's not, sometimes they add 5%, but you got a tip on top of that. Sometimes the service is terrible. Are you allowed to not tip ever? Do you tip before or after tax? 
These are all the questions I dive into with Jessica. And then for the paid subscribers, you're going to get the fun rapid round at the end, which is the best of. We go through hottest restaurant, best Italian, most overrated, most underrated, the restaurant most worth a splurge. But that is if you upgrade to a paid subscription on Too Close to Call. And we thank all of you who have. But I think you'll enjoy this rest, uh, this uh, podcast on restaurants in Washington. And if you don't live in Washington, you can take some notes here and know where to go the next time you take your voyage here. So again, if you like the podcast, likes and subscriptions are the best way to show your love. Without further ado, here is Jessica Sidman, the food editor with Washingtonian Magazine. Jessica, thanks for coming on Too Close to Call. Thanks for having me, David. I'm excited to be here. Tell me what sparked the origin of this story to begin with. Right. Well, I feel like as a journalist covering the food scene, uh, I end up being a middleman for people's complaints a lot of the time. <laughs> I bet. So, <laughs> um, so I just have constantly been getting emails and messages from diners about, you know, how bad service is and how expensive everything is and how confusing all these new fees are. And, you know, I don't know what to tip. And then at the right. same time, I'm talking um, to all of these restaurant owners all the time. And they're complaining that the diners, um, you know, don't understand what they've gone through with the pandemic. And, um, you know, they don't understand how expensive everything is and all the new regulations they're trying to navigate. And, you know, people just seem to have forgotten how to act. Um so it, from my perspective, it just seems like this tension between, you know, people who work in restaurants and the people who eat at them is at this all time high um, for a number of reasons. And I just wanted to explore that with inflation and, and just the rising costs of goods and, and labor costs, um, you know, just everything is more expensive across the board. Um, you know, the the restaurant industry has made a lot of gains in terms of um, restaffing since the pandemic, but there's still a huge number of openings. Um, and, you know, the labor force is, you know, across the country, it's not necessarily as strong as it used to be. Um, like the number one thing that restaurant owners complain about is, you know, they can't find enough qualified people. And, and right. the result is often service sucks. Yes. Um, the thing that is unique to D.C., although it is happening in certain other parts of the country, is, um, you know, new new laws we have here regarding uh, the tipped wage. Um, yes. And for people who aren't familiar, D.C. voters passed Initiative 82 last fall, which basically phases out the tipped wage. And a lot of people don't even know how servers and bartenders are paid, but they make a lesser amount um, than, you know, in DC, the, the minimum wage is $17. And they make up, you know, they might make like five or, uh, I forget the number off the top of my head because it keeps going up, but they make, you know, a portion of that. And 
the rest of their base wage comes from gratuities. Yeah. And now that's being phased out. So initiative 82, from how I understand it, basically requires the restaurants to pay a higher minimum wage. And therefore, how does that impact servers tips? The way it, it, it works now um, or in the way it works in the past is the majority of a tipped worker's wage. So servers, bartenders, anyone else who gets tips, um, the majority of that wage comes from tips. Right. So, um, you know, if you're making, you know, you might be making five, six, seven dollars an hour. Um, but then, you know, the tips would would get you up to at least 70, 17 dollars an hour. Right. Um, and if you they didn't, your employer is required to to do to make up the difference. But a lot of times, you know, a bartender server at a good restaurant, they're making Makes more forty dollars an hour. Right. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so this puts the onus going forward on the restaurant owner to pay the employer that to make seventeen dollars, right? So their costs are their labor costs are a lot bigger, and the way that they're making up for that is to add on a service fee. Um, and a lot of times these are usually in the um, twenty percent range, although there's a whole gamut of well, they're all over the going place. on right now. There's four percent. Mm-hmm. I've seen four percent. I've seen six percent. That actually makes it more exactly. confusing for for just me as a consumer. I actually voted. Yes. I voted in favor of Initiative eighty two. I have two bartender friends, yeah. and they're like, "That was stupid. You voted wrong." Um, you know, and then they sort of educated me in a different way because I'm like, oh, I'll be helping maybe the cook in the back who doesn't make who isn't making right. as much money. But then I started to talk to these servers at places I would go to uh, mom and pop shops out of business. It's going to hurt sort of lower end bars and restaurants, sort of the divier places, not the higher end spots. Yeah, but it was very confusing for me, and I'm pretty educated, so yes. I can't imagine what other people are are you know are grappling with, and and how this affects their tipping and yeah, it it's it's confusing because it sounds on the surface great, like let's right. pay people more, but the 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 complicated part about it is that a lot of people in the service industry were against it because they're saying this is fixing a problem that doesn't exist. We already make a lot of them. Again, this is right. universal. Right. Um, we already make way more than minimum wage. You know, there there are certainly um, people right. who are waiting tables, pouring drinks, who are making, um, like I was saying, you know, thirty dollars an hour, forty dollars an hour mm-hmm. more. Um, and now this change disrupts the business model for a lot of businesses mm-hmm. and. They're saying, okay, well, if we're paying more out of cost, we have to make that up somehow. So maybe it's the service fee. Maybe we can't afford to have as many um, servers. Maybe we, um, you know, raise prices. And um, so it's causing a lot of turmoil. I'll just put it that way. You have three sort of buckets in your article. I want to separate them. I want to start with the fees because we just touched on that. And I feel like that is the most confusing thing for me. And what I hear about most from my friends and and even people that are in the industry that I know that are my friends that 
that customers don't understand. I was at just I just was at Grassinona last weekend. I believe there was a two to three percent service charge. It didn't have any explanation right. on it. So I didn't know what that actually went for. And I and I think didn't the DC Attorney General or someone just issue guidance or didn't maybe you yes. guys wrote up an article that you have to explain that there has to be more transparency in where the service fee is going. Right. The, but, yeah. but most think- of these bills just come with a service fee. Some of them, like if it's 20%, you think, okay, well, that's the gratuity included. But a lot of these right. places, it's like a very small, it's a small fee. So it's mm-hmm. not going to like ruin your night, but it's also like, okay, if you just had an average experience... Do I need to go above and beyond to tip? So if I get like when some when when a customer gets a, a, a bill with like a two or three or four percent service fee, what is that most likely going towards? Right. And yeah, and it, you don't necessarily know unless they say, which they are technically legally required to say where that money is going. Like on the bill, and, they're supposed you know, to say it. Uh, it, it has to be prominently presented before you order. So either oh. it can be communicated verbally or it could be on a menu. Um, but, you know, I will say a lot of restaurants are not good no. at explaining and they'll just say, there is a 20% service fee. And you're like, great, well, uh, who's, who gets that money? Where Where is it going? Does it go to my server? Does it go to my server? in the form of their base wage? Right. Is it going to the kitchen staff? Is it being treated like a tip? And because all these changes are so new, the way that um, restaurants are using that money uh, varies greatly and how they're dividing it up. Um, it's also know, sort my, of it ruins sort healthcare, of- care, am I going to none, yeah. Yeah, it also sort of ruins the vibe if you get to your <laughs> table and the first thing yeah. the server says is, there's 20% included and this is where it's going. 10% is going to healthcare. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, we're already talking about money. I've not experienced that. I've never heard a server say it outright. I have heard some say it at the end. If this is included, this is a service fee for this. Yeah. But then some just don't ever address it at all. So I feel like everyone's right. going to get a different experience based on where they're going out to eat, depending on the restaurant they're at. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I think uh, the best way is, uh, to you know to have it on the menu prominently uh and it can't be buried on the menu in some fine print it has to be you know prominently presented um and yeah and i think because this initiative is new and it hasn't fully taken effect it's being phased in so places are doing different percentages to maybe make up for their higher costs but then you also have all these other fees coming out of COVID, you know, like um, fees for for inflation or, or COVID recovery, whatever that means, or uh, another popular one is a wellness fee. And, uh, you know, when you get to the 3% fee or the 6% or 12%, then there's so much confusing math that's going on at the end of your meal that you do not, do not want to do. Right. And, and it all comes down to not knowing what to tip or trying to figure out what to tip. And a lot of times there's not a lot of guidance and, and that's the root of the frustration that that frustrates me too. So if I get a service charge 
if I get a bill with a service charge of 4%, I'm still expected to tip 20% on that on top of the So floor. I'll tell you my rule it. of thumb on this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my rule of thumb on this and, um, and this is 100% the biggest question I get all the time is how much to tip if you, if there's a service fee. Um, so I, I've, I've asked a lot of, um, you know, servers and restaurant owners, what is the expectation? And also I've talked to a lot of diners about what do they do? And I think a good rule of thumb is, um, you know, if it's a 20% fee, um, there is not an expectation that you're going to tip more. Um, and most people are not going to tip beyond that, even if there is a tip line. If it is some random number that's less than that, um, <laughs> I would add it up to 20%. So if there's a 10% fee, I would tip 10%. That's what okay. I, that's what I personally do. That's what that's I've been doing as well. But then I was hearing, yeah. oh no, because this doesn't always go to the servers. So you're actually jipping like the, the restaurant may be keeping that 4% or 5%. So you're taking it out of the server's pot. Uh, that's where I, yeah, that's I where mean, it gets confusing, but then it's like, okay, when does the tipping end? Are we tipping 25%? Are we tipping 30? Right. I mean, it gets to be, you know, it gets to be a burden and the math is just gets very difficult. Frankly, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you tip yeah. before or after tax? I tip after tax. Okay. And my thinking is, you know, it's not a huge difference. And I just think it's it's nice to be that little bit more generous. Yes. So I always tip after tax. I there's a little yeah, there's a debate in my friend group about this as well. I know it, there's yes, this is a hot topic. There's a hot topic. I because they're like, well, this the the tax isn't part of the service. Like that's going to the government, you know. Mm -hmm. So why why am I tipping right. on it doesn't matter for small bills. I think that when it really matters is when you get a large party. If you're going out with like six or eight people and have a big dinner, then obviously the taxes is, is right. different. Um, so yeah. and the so, other thing I will say real quick about the service fee um, that is frustrating to a lot of people is because it is considered uh, revenue of the restaurant, it is subject to sales tax. So if there's a 20 percent um, service fee, that's taxed. OK, OK. As part of your bill. You open your piece, which I encourage everyone to go read at Washingtonian Mag. Uh, I believe at an Italian restaurant in, uh, or, or it's a wine bar, maybe it's a wine, a wine bar, bar in, in Alexandria. Alexandria. Yes, you talk about yes, a, a, yes. about a three dollar bread fee, which yes. I like as an Italian. I, I like love Italian food. It's sort of what I was born and raised on. I'm always searching for Italian food. I feel like bread should always be included in an Italian meal. That's my little like. But I get it. Okay. And then you have the owner. So then the 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 people there are pissed about the three dollar bread fee. They mm -hmm. hit this restaurant with like a one star, which I also think is petty to like go to one star over a three dollar bread fee. Like I would yeah. not do that. While they're there, they're still yeah. in the restaurant dining and they leave yeah. review. That's yeah. that's a little petty for me. I don't love the bread fee, but I don't love the one star. So I'm like reading this going like, okay, I can kind of relate relate to both sides. And then you then the I believe the owner goes over and confronts them and is like, hey, is everything all right? Like, I'll cover the meal if you ch does she say to them, I'll cover the meal if you change the Google rating. 
Yeah. So she decided, um, you know, it's such a rare thing that you are able to confront someone in real time about a bad review. So I'm, I'm going to go over, I'm not even going to fight with them. I'm not going to, you know, argue with them. Um, I am going to offer to comp their entire meal. They're not obviously not having a good time. They had a one-star review over the bread. And um <laughs> so petty. And and they said, no, we don't want you to comp our meal. And they which, left the review. Which I respect them for that. Because I honestly okay. this is where this is where I'm like, I kind of wrestled with this <laughs> whole thing. I went back and forth who I was like on the side of. I love to hear this take. Okay. Well, here's my thing. Is it ethical? For a restaurant to bribe you into changing their Google. To me, Google reviews, people, everybody goes to Google reviews. They should be. I mean, as a journalist, I want an accurate representation on Google. I don't want restaurants paying people off for five-star reviews. I've had that happen. Well, with, you could, what, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. no I, I, I guess you. <laughs> yeah. I guess you, you could argue, is it is it a bribe or is it they're trying to make things right? And that's like that that is an extreme example yeah. of offering to comp an entire meal and the meal was something like $250. Yeah, so, an expensive meal. Um, you know, I think she was trying to make sort of a point of it. Um and by the way, she later went back even they though they said we don't want you to comp our meal. Um she she refunded the whole thing anyway after they left. I, you're right. Right. But I'm I'm sort of of the mind that like if you're gonna have Google reviews, you gotta you gotta like if th- there's gonna be some turds as customers, and that's part of your piece. <laughs> Bad customers. I mean, the Crusoe's uh, anecdote you have is crazy to me that someone would say like the c word by not just because they couldn't get seated. Uh, you know, I I understand that there's a lot of bad apples out there as customers, but I also think that. I mean, I, I, I will confess to this. I had like a pizza order and wings one night and I didn't get sauce or no, I didn't get, it was like this pettiest thing, but I wrote it in the comment because I'm sort of this like Google reviewer mm-hmm. now because I realized all the restaurants oh, okay. read these Google reviewers <laughs> and they were there and they immediately contacted me. It's a pizza joint, not even like a pizza mm-hmm. joint. And they're like, we want to mm-hmm. give, we're sorry. We're going to give you a free pizza. And I'm like, no, no, no. I didn't. That wasn't really the point. If you change your, if you, ch- the code is five star review for Dave. Mm-hmm. And I'm going like, oh, I see what you wanted. I didn't give him a one star. I think I gave him like four or something. Like it wasn't a bad, it was just yeah. in the comp. They read the comment and mm. they, you know, the owner was on it and she was like, hey, I'll give you this stipend for your, for, to change your, to up your review. And I'm kind of like, okay, well, now this is a little pay for play there's been a couple instances where I've experienced that. And I'm just wondering if that's ethical mm. to just, you know, I, they're trying to make it right. I get it, but th- it's yeah, not really a five-star right. experience because like, it's like Uber drivers. Everybody's a five-star driver and they're in the car with them and they're like running off the road. They're not a five-star driver, mm. but, but, they're, mm. but everyone's mm-hmm. giving them five-star. I mean, how, how is everyone? Re- no one's a five-star driver. Like I'm not a five-star reporter. Everyone right. has a flaw. Like every restaurant has a little right. bit of a flaw, Right. So I guess I'm looking for sure. more genuine reviews than I am like the restaurant that's able to like comp everything and make it right. Um, I don't know how if you have thoughts on. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, 
what uh, one star reviews can be very damaging to a restaurant um, when they start to add up. Right. And, um, you know, I think the, the point of that anecdote and a lot of the other anecdotes in the story is people are so quick to jump to those conclude to just, you know, um, give the one star review and, yeah. and, and not just a one star review, but like a really nasty one and use very, uh, nasty provocative language language yeah Yeah. like you should go out of business like go to hell blah 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 yeah that's crazy um that's crazy and there's just not a lot of empathy you know every every business every restaurant's gonna have a bad night um you know there are gonna be mistakes that happen you know it seems like there are a lot more that are happening these days with all the staffing issues but um you know, I think the, the, the point is a lot of, of restaurant owners feel like, you know, that's not fair to have this harsh penalty of a one star review when, you know, they're, you know, still struggling with a lot of issues coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, I agree. Although I'm I'm wondering how long we're going to get the pandemic excuse to this like how long are we still in a post-covid world i mean covid's never going to be zero and you report this in your story a lot of the veterans in the industry according to your piece left the industry Mm. during covid or at some point in covid and didn't come back and you talk about having these restaurants having to hire like teenagers to and they have to be trained and obviously it takes time for a 18 year old to get up to speed and how to do things and get into their flow. My question is, where did these veterans of the industry go? They just don't need to work anymore. Mm-hmm. Do we know where I, it all went? Yeah, no, I think um, you know, there's not like one answer, like they all went to do X or Y. Um, but, you know, I, I would say, you know, just anecdotally, like I've heard a couple of people like went into real estate, some people, you know, went into other aspects of retail. Um, you know, I think there there are a number of people who started their own businesses, didn't want to be beholden to um, to someone else who might, you know, fire them out of, at a whim. Yeah. Um, you know, it, there there's not one answer here, but um, certainly a lot of people were frustrated. And, and also, you know, I think, especially in DC, there are a lot of people who, uh, serving or bartending is not their full-time job. Like they might do it to make some extra cash um, on weekends or evenings. And so, you know, those people, you know, like they still have their day jobs, right? They just don't want to deal with being in the industry in their free time anymore. Okay. Yeah. That always, I always am wondering, I'm like, well, you still yeah. got to pay your bills. Like what, everybody just got a new career. Yeah. <laughs> during covid i mean yeah, it's, no, i mean a good I, a good for I, them and if it empowered them to do something else i'm just always fascinated to see why like how people were able to walk away from a job and not have to come back even now you know mm-hmm. how many years later yeah um, but i guess that is i mean i do see it everywhere that this there's not there's usually not enough servers right. usually not enough bartenders and everybody's looking for help um yes then on the yes. other side of this um, just to sort of wrap up your your story. Um, and this is where I had to like open my eyes. You use the word empathy. I think more customers, including myself, probably have to have that when they have a bad experience. Mm-hmm. 
But you have this sort of amazing anecdote about, I believe it's the Queen's English manager who confronted owner a owner okay who confronted mm-hmm. a patron about a tip was that right right and i'm like wow that is aggressive and you sort of have this line that like it used to be that you know the customer was always right that mantra is sort of gone and you've got this new era of owners and managers who are like no 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 the customer is not always right and we will right confront you if your behavior is out of line, is it appropriate for an owner or a manager to confront a diner about an inadequate tip? Yeah, I feel like that's an example where, you know, things, emotions are running high and things kind of spiral out of control. Like I think they initially reached out with, with good intentions to make, so basically this customer left, I think a 6% um, tip. So I think they reach out to say, you know, like, did you have a good experience or did you have a bad experience? You know, Um, but then, you know, the the responses they were getting, the response was, oh, well, you already have some sort of fee, so I don't need to. And I just think, you know, for a lot of restaurant owners, their emotions are so high right now. And they're just like, so frustrated with a number of different things that it just kind of escalated. And he ends up calling out this guy, um, not by name, but he does tag um, his employer. Yeah. Um, which on is, Instagram. Wow, on that's his... aggressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's aggressive. So, uh, you know, I just, I think things escalate quickly these days, right? And it and it and it's not unique to the restaurant industry. You know, we all read those stories about, um, you know, on airlines, yeah. some customer who, you know, gets out of control and is suddenly screaming uh, about some small thing and has to be escorted out, and um, you know that it's just pervasive in our culture these days uh politics social media social media also just encourages that that you can just post immediately everyone's got a handle and you can go i mean a lot of people do nice things and say i had a great experience at this place and that's nice but now i mean people can find your employer i mean everybody's online and it's like it can get it can get rough for sure um okay we can do can we do the rapid fire around about restaurants? Okay, yes. Here? Okay, I'm nervous. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. You can well, you can hopefully not pass, but you can I'll give you like one pass, okay. maybe. Okay. All right. Okay, okay. Hottest new restaurant to try. Easy one, right? Okay. Be- I'm gonna can I pick more than one? 